0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls By my guy Goose That's his nickname I didn't make that shit up That's actually his nickname and we're going to run with that. So it's Buzz and Goose, not Buzz and Juice today. It's Buzz and Goose. We are here from the On Tap Sports Network and we're going to talk about this 10591 winner. Our Chicago Bulls over the Toronto Raptors in a hell of a preseason game. Starters got a lot of minutes tonight. We're able to showcase what that starting unit's going to look like and I'm I'm all here for it, man. So Goose, what is up, my man? What did you think of this game? I know you got off work. You were able to watch this thing in its entirety. How would you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I literally called myself off work early to get home to watch the 5 o'clock game since I have to stream it on the internet. So uh, praise to the Lord for being a manager and having some leeway there. Um, but no, I'm, I'm feeling a little lubricated. I got the day off tomorrow. And my biggest takeaway from this game was Zach Levine's defensive effort. We know the offensive game. We see that coming all the time. Just about every game, you can guarantee that Zach's going to drop at least twenty. But tonight, we saw Zach attacking on the defensive end, and that that made my shorts rise.
0: <laughs> Pitching a tent. Said you were lubricated, my friend. I am going to join you. Hashtag crack'em. If You want an awesome crack'em koozie? You can go to ontapsportsnet.com. It's under the shop section. Go get yourself some pretty cool t-shirts. Our Bulls on Tap t-shirt will be coming soon. Um. So yeah, that logo is sexy. Yeah, want that. Yeah, that logo is sexy. People are gonna want that logo. It's very, very nice. So I got my, I got my nice ice cold Miller Light here, and we're gonna talk about this game. Yeah. So getting to what your point about Zach, his three point shots amazing, and I'm just, I'm, I'm here for it, man. He went four for six from downtown. He scored 26 points, albeit in 25 minutes. Went nine for 14 from the floor. Had four assists and five boards. Zach looked great in this lineup tonight, and I know Wendell, we'll get into him a little bit. He struggled a little bit trying to get his feet back under him, so I'm not going to overreact about this right now. But this lineup was really fun to watch, and Zach just seemed to flourish in it.
1: Now, I mean, plus minus is a pretty touchy stat for some people because it kind of depends when you were in the game, when the team went on a run, if you were on the floor or not. But Zach Levine was a plus 30 tonight, led the team. <laughs> so um that is i think that's a telltale sign i really feel that the bulls in this offseason we touched on it on previous episodes really set up this roster to let zach and lowry both take that step this year they gave them the right supporting cast that's going to allow them to play their game but also play in the system and move the ball but still get their numbers
0: Right, yeah. I agree with that. Um speaking of Lowry, dude, I a lot of feedback that we've been getting on Twitter at the Bulls on Tap page or just when we're, you know, tied in together on posts on Twitters, people are really upset and or concerned about Lowry Markinen's touches. But I think if he's making the most of the touches that he's getting, I'm not really concerned about it. I don't know how you feel about that. I want to get your I wanna get your opinion on that real quick. But I mean Lowry went four for ten, two for four from uh behind the three point line. He had 15 points and 13 boards, and an awesome stat here tonight, Keith, is something that we talked about. Goose, I'm going to keep doing that. It's going to, once the beers start flowing, I'll start calling you Goose for sure. But uh, four offensive rebounds tonight, and that is something that I I was very excited about. So what do you think about everything I just said there with Lowry's maybe lack of touches, I guess? Or do you think that if he's able to make his touches count, that it's all good?
1: All right, well, let's first, let's establish the season with 15 and 13 tonight. You touched on the four offensive boards, which means he grabbed nine on the defensive end. And if Lowry played more than 21 minutes tonight, I'd be a little more concerned with the fact that he only had 10 shots. Um, Kobe White took the most shots on the team tonight at 16. But he also played 23 minutes. So... I think you can make the argument that since Lowry was drafted and he got that start when Portis knocked the daylight out of Nico, (laughs) that, um, that he should probably be getting more touches. And that you can say that in most games, probably except for February where he was 20 and 10 every night. But, there, there. there's never going to be a time where I'm going to disagree with the fact that Lowry should get more touches. That's that's not something I'm ever going to shy away from. Um, once we get into the regular season and we're seeing actual minutes against actual players, I think Lowry will find the ball more often. But the main thing is that the ball is moving. It's not sticking in Zach's hand.
0: Right, and, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of that. The ball hasn't been sticking in Zach's hand, and I really – we had a couple different scenarios. There's a, a scenario in the first quarter here, a situation that Zach got himself in where he um, he did get a little ball dominant for my liking, and he got ended up getting stuffed at the rim. And he did have a wide-open Lowry Markin in, in the uh, upper part of your TV screen in the corner, and then he had a wide-open Tomas Sadoransky in the bottom part of his screen. I think that just coming in time... Zach's gonna be fine he's gonna be hitting that open man he's just trying you know he's out there he's amped he's trying to make his thing you know make things happen but you can't really bitch too much about the offensive performance and little things that might have happened here tonight because of how well the Bulls played offensively and defensively another thing I want to touch on Zach is his defensive performance tonight it was out of this world he was everywhere he was getting into the passing lane he albeit maybe not getting recording the amount of steals that we would have liked to see you know but He was in the passing lane. He was breaking up passes. He ended up coming out with two steals tonight, and especially in that first quarter, he was all over the place. And I I had tweeted out, if Zach is able to... Keep that same energy, right, and and just do this during the regular season. And I I don't want him to burn himself out too bad. You know how a lot of players are they they exert more energy on the offensive end than on the defensive end, and then you have your players that you know vice versa who do it on the defensive end to the offensive end. But this is what I think blasts Zach off into the stratosphere. We know he could score it well. Will we know he could shoot? He can get to the rim at will. He can play make. If he starts doing it like this on the defensive end, it, we're talking about a top fifteen NBA player.
1: No, and you're not exaggerating there, Um, because I don't think you can name 10 players in the NBA that are a harder cover than Zach Levine. If he can step up on the defensive end, which the way this roster is constructed, Zach is not going to have to exert as much energy on the offensive end this season, which should allow him to stay fresh and not play the LeBron James game at this stage of his career where he's just trying to conserve energy on the defensive end. If Zach can stay in attack mode on both ends of the floor throughout the game because of the pieces around him that are going to help carry the load and he doesn't have to carry it all by himself, we're going to look at a very scary season for Zach Levine.
0: Oh, I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. I think that, like I was saying before, I mean – If he's everywhere on the court doing those things, and I I I don't know if I could name ten players better than Zach, you know, or not better than Zach, but easy to you know easier to cover than Zach. He's very tough. He's shifty. He he can play make make he can make a shot from anywhere on the floor. Right. I mean, it's amazing his fadeaway. Man, it looks so nice. I mean, you could tell he's been working on that back to the basket and then going to that kind of that Kobe-esque. Michael esque fadeaway, like that he's been working on that. I love yeah, I love his opposite side shot. He's he's looking really good. Another guy I want to get into real quick in this game, albeit he only played seventeen minutes, but that's Wendell Carter Jr. I wanted to get into him real quick. His offensive game did struggle here tonight. Not concerned about it at all. It's really him getting his first minutes here in the preseason, but a great stat that I took away is he did record a block in those seventeen minutes. He had seven boards, three of them offensive. And that's if him and Lowry can, you know, get those offensive boards. And Lowry worked on that aspect of his game. And we knew Wendell could do it already. That's just going to create so many more chances for the Chicago Bulls team this season with their high-paced offense. You know, they're going to be able to get into sets. They're going to get the rebound, reset, get it going. Uh, I wanted to, you know, get your opinion on what you thought of him tonight.
1: See, I'm not going to over exaggerate or freak out about his conditioning at this stage, you saw most of the times when he was getting pulled, he had his hands on his hips and he was, he was heaving, he was breathing deep. And that is going to happen when, you know, he missed the majority of the early September camp and he missed the majority of the training camp. And he's kind of just been doing the stretches and the warm-up runs on the side. Once you get in a live game, there's only so far that the adrenaline can carry you. And, I think we're going to see a lot different Wendell Carter come, you know, probably after the first 20 games, he's going to have to work himself into game shape a little bit to start the season. And we saw he didn't play at all in the second half. So Jimbo is very conscious of the fact that he needs some time. It's, you know, he's got to be worked into it. We're not just going to throw him into the fire and, you know, force him into that kind of thing. So, I I wasn't discouraged by what I saw. It was just exciting to see him get on the floor and be cleared for full contact. Obviously, it's reportedly just a tailbone bruise, which is probably just discomfort. It's not anything serious. But at the same time, the consecutive injuries do bring some concern. But just seeing him on the floor tonight was encouraging for me.
0: Right, right. Another guy I want to get into real quick, Sato. Sato tonight, you want to talk about a guy that knows his role right. That's Tomas Sodoransky. He can initiate bringing the offense up the floor or he could be that guy that, you know, gets into a set play, sets the screen, gets to the corner right away, cuts in, try, you know, to get a layup, with, using his size on smaller guards. He could do all of that. And I'm not going to, you know, say Sodoransky's a world beater by any means necessary, but we've talked about him on this show before, but tonight, man, it was just different. 4 for 5 for, uh, from the field, 3 for 4 from behind the three-point line. Four assists, three boards, 12 points in 22 minutes. Sodoronsky with this first unit looked amazing, and I think there's no doubt that he is the starting point guard going into our season opener. I mean, just no doubt in my mind that, that this is the guy that's going to do it.
1: No, there is there is no other answer for the starting point guard position on this team to open up the season. It would be nice to see Kobe come into himself and steal that spot from Sato at some point of the season, and having Sato come off the bench isn't the worst thing in the world. But, no, there is no doubt in my mind that Satoransky is going to be the starter. He is a do-it-all player. He knows the game. He knows his role. He's pretty much 6'7", Ryan Archie Diakono with an actual three-point shot, and the defensive versatility of a 6'7", guard. So, you know, he brings that same kind of presence that Archie does. He knows the game. He knows what he's supposed to do. He plays within himself. And right. just seeing that play out already and the chemistry that's going to build between him, Zach, and the chemistry he already has with Otto is, is something that's really exciting to take into the season. Right, I agree with that.
0: You know, another thing that uh, I wanted to bring up, I know we keep getting into Zach and everything, but there was a couple instances tonight of a pick-and-pop with him and Lowry, and that's going to be super dangerous. You could tell that these guys work together this offseason. You've heard them talk about it. You've heard them say that, you know, they want to be the one of the best one-two punches offensively in the NBA. Zach is going to create a lot of opportunities for Lowry, and I, I'm all here for that. If Lowry capitalizes off those opportunities, which I'm sure he will, Lowry's going to be a special player, and even you know, shout out to Adrian Wojnarowski. I mean, he gave Lowry pop, uh, pr- pops, props on, uh, and it was in a tweet. I don't know where he said it, but I saw it in a tweet that he said Lowry marketing is going to be a problem, and especially playing with Zach Levine. That these two, you know, look to play really well together. I mean, it there's just so many opportunities, man. I, it, it just blows me away. And credit where credits due. Obviously, the season hasn't started yet, but. I love how everything is looking so far, especially with what we just saw tonight with our start, with our projected starting lineup going in to the season opener. I want to move a little bit into the bench and, and, and talk about one guy in particular who I thought we'd see a little bit more time out of, but we really didn't. It was pretty much just garbage time, and that was Daniel Gafford. Any reason you think that he didn't get a lot of time tonight?
1: I think it comes down to the spacing factor. We yeah. saw Cornette nail multiple threes. He's just, you know, Gafford's more of an old school player, and I hate seeing that, you know, he isn't considered to be in the actual rotation. Um, And maybe that changes on Thursday against the Hawks. But I do feel that Gafford is somebody that the Bulls are going to have to find minutes for. You can't keep him off the floor. His energy that he brings to the game is just, it's incredible. He gives it all on every play. Uh, and he does have skill sets that are going to be extremely valuable to this team. I was kind of concerned with the Lowry Cornet pairing on the defensive end, and they they seem to do all right tonight. Granted, against you know the Raptors C D team, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out during the season. If Lowry and Cornet start getting exposed, I think we might see more Gafford in Lowry. Um, the kind of reserve unit when Wendell goes out,
0: right, right. Another guy I want to get into is who you just brought up, Luke Cornett tonight. Three for eight uh, from the field, two for seven from behind the three point line. He had eight points. He was a plus five in the plus minus. He recorded three rebounds and one block. Also had a steal, threw a steal in there. Um, you know, I was I was sh- dude, I was shooting out a tweet right, and I was talking about the second unit, and I was like, oh, I'd like to see Gafford in there, and then Cornett comes in. I don't know if I I keep forgetting about him, and that's my fault. I keep forgetting about this kid, and, I mean, he just he could shoot so well, and I really, really think he fits in well in that second unit with um, Thaddeus Young because they played really well together tonight. Because, you know, Thad can kind of stretch the floor a bit, but, you know, he loves to kind of bulldoze his way into the paint to get a basket. And, and when that happens, you know, the defense always collapse on him, so it's really nice to have three-point shooters around him. And I think that you're going to see a lot of pairings between Young and Cornette you know, during the regular season, and I'm all here for that. I love having bigs that can shoot the ball, and I love having, you know, when it makes sense, too, you know, and I'm not just having a stretch out there that's going to be a chucker, you know what I mean? You have a guy out there that's going to take effective high-percentage shots, and that's what Cornette did tonight, and I I was very, very impressed by his play. Um, And plus, I mean, with his 15 minutes of play, Gafford's 10 minutes of play, that only gave our guy, Felicio, four minutes of play. And I was very happy about that. I don't know how you felt about that, but I was pretty happy about it.
1: Oh no, yeah! If Wendell Carter Jr. only plays, you know, the first half, and you only have to see Felicio at the garbage minutes with the Street Walkers, that's that's always a good thing. (laughs) Um. So, and you know, back to Thad Young though. Uh, Let's just talk about the impact that he makes on a game without having to score. He took two shots tonight. He was one of two from the floor. He missed the corner three. And he made, you know, one driving attempt. But that was the second highest rated player on our team in plus-minus. That just tells you his presence and the extra things that he does that are not going to show up in the box score ever. But he can go a night with scoring two points and still technically be the second most productive player on the floor.
0: And Again, that's why it gets into how you brought up earlier, like how it's controversial or it's, uh, you know, people don't like that plus-minus score in basketball. I don't know why they don't like that. I think that it shows the effectiveness of who's on the court, really. I mean, that's what the stat's for. And um, he he played great. I mean, even though he only had two points, took two shots, and that driving layup that he did have, that was in traffic. That was pretty impressive. Finished with a, finished with a little right-hand scoop there on the layup. But he was everywhere tonight. He was defending well. He was getting boards. He was you know, in trying to involve his teammates as, teammates as much as he could. He had three assists. You know, I mean, I liked what I saw out of Thad Young in the 20-minute sample size that we got from him here tonight. I, I really did. Um, another guy on the bench, Chris Dunn. He was pretty much scrutinized all game long. Crucified almost all game long because he missed Quite a few three pointers, man, and a couple of them were wide open. He went one for four from deep, two for six from the field. He did have uh, four boards, four assists, two steals, but he also had four turnovers. He did, however, finish with a plus seven and a plus minus. But I, I was—I can't remember exactly who I was talking to, but we were having—I think it was Jordan Miller. So shout out to him. He listens to all of our stuff. But um, you know, he was like, "Man, I just wish that he wouldn't take these shots." And I just had to tell him, "Like last year's Chris Dunn wouldn't have take." taking these shots right and then he would have tried to drive while getting the ball out on the wing he'd try to drive in and then nine times out of ten it probably result in a turnover right so i'm happy he's trying to take these shots it's just preseason he's trying to get that you know that rhythm going that flow going from and getting used to taking shots from deep because he knows that he needs to adapt to get any playing time within this offensive system
1: Well, no, and I think that's something that Bulls fans have to understand going into the season is the system that we're going to be playing in. We're going to get up a lot more shots than we did last season, which means it's okay if you're taking a good shot and you miss. So the two missed threes that Chris Dunn had from the corners were wide open. He airballed one and he bricked the other, and that was discouraging to see. But in the same breath, you have to understand that Chris not hesitating to take those shots is just as important as him. And I can't say it's just as important as making him. Obviously, if you make him, you get the damn points. When you miss, you don't get shit. But just the fact that he only took six shots tonight and four of the six were from three-point land, that kind of tells you that Chris Dunn understands that in this system, he's not going to be able to turn down those looks and try to do something else with the ball. Just take the shot. Get back in transition if you miss, you're going to get another one. And we saw Chris, he did hit one after his first missed three, three point attempts. And two were wide open. One was a late clock contested three that he kind of just chucked up there. Right. So just the fact that he is taking them is a step forward from what we've seen from Chris down in the past.
0: Right. And that's uh, an argument that I, I, you know, like I'm not going to fight strongly about it, right? Because the guy's missing the shot. So I'm not going to like go die on the hill or anything like that, but I'm happy that he like cuz I look at that as a development in his game whether or not he's hitting them or not. That he's willing to take these shots, not causing a turnover, and I know that he did have fourth tonight. He really needs to work on that, but as a second unit guy, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that and then like pointing, you know, going back to what you said earlier, if Kobe White does end up taking you know the starting job from Sato, right? And then you have done Sato, Cornette, Thad and that second unit and by God, you know, willing that he's healthy, Chandler Hutchison I, I'm excited for that second unit as well and I think that Chris Dunn would fit very well into that. You know, he's a hard nosed defender and he's got some shooters around him and he, get, he can get to the rim and create. So, I like what I saw out of Chris Dunn other than that and he, you know, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the sack because he did. He finished plus in the plus minus man. You know, he's, he's plus seven. So, I'm gonna take it all day long. No, I mean,
1: the, the way I kind of look at Chris Dunn's game is yeah, he's he's careless with the ball. He probably had two unforced turnovers out of the four that he had tonight. Um, one of the turnovers was an offensive foul that was kind of crap. But he's, he's going to get you those turnovers back on the defensive end. So when you add up Chris Dunn's steals with his assists every night, he's still going to be a positive on top of the mistakes that he makes. And hopefully, moving into the season, we see less of those mistakes once you build the chemistry and you have the continuity and you have the understanding of the players around you. But at the end of the day, I cannot find a, a you know, a negative about having Chris Dunn as a backup guard in your rotation. He is very good defensively, and he has a lot of skills that he needs to improve on, but they're there. And and it it hurts to watch when he struggles because you see the wasted potential, and I know he's been tossed into the dumpster fire by most Bulls fans, but the talent is there, and that's why it's so disappointing when he does struggle.
0: Right. So... Another guy I want to get into real quick on this bench, and we're going to hit the best for last off of the bench. Maybe not the best, but definitely the most anticipated guy to talk about. But uh, Denzel Valentine, Valentine, whatever. Um, not a lot of minutes tonight, okay? he You know, he, he played eight minutes. He went 0 for 1, had two boards, two fouls. And I don't believe he even scored. He didn't. He didn't score. So, I think when Hutchinson comes back, I think Denzel's playing himself into, I mean, I know that he was hurt and, you know, he hasn't played. And these, you know, these first three preseason games, you know, is when he came back and started getting his feet wet, but he looks slow. I know it takes time, you know, to get the game speed back on your feet, but he looks slow. He looks ineffective. And, uh, I think that he's just going to be used for situational purposes when you need some three-point shooting. I don't know if he's going to be able to a guy that's really going to crack that rotation, if and when Hutch comes back healthy. I, I just want to get your opinion on that real quick while we're talking about it.
1: Well, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Obviously, Denzel was inactive all last season. He wasn't even really cleared for contact for the September pre-mini camp that they were raving about. All the players attending. See, you got to give him a little leeway. Even in the Pelicans game, he didn't play over 20 minutes. Um, His conditioning is clearly probably a factor at this point. But in that same breath, um, the key for the Bulls is going to be transition play. And to get in transition, you need defense and rebounding. And that is something that Chandler Hutchison brings tenfold compared to Denzel or anybody else that... You know, you might want to throw into this rotation at that 2 3 spot. And I think Hutch, if he can get and stay healthy, is going to p- play a very big role on this team because outside of, you know, his shooting and even that, if he's wide open in the corner, he's probably going to make it. He's just got a longer release than we'd like to see at this point. But his defensive prowess, his transition skills, he's a great secondary playmaker on the break. He's great at driving to the basket. I think he does bring more value to this team than Denzel Valentine does if he stays in this state. Now, if Denzel gets right, um, three-point shooting is the name of the game, and that's something that Denzel does at a 40% clip for his career. So
0: Right, right. So let's get into the last guy that I want to talk about here after this Bulls winner. That's Kobe White, buddy. Kobe White has impressed throughout this preseason. I believe he's averaging, like, the second most points per game out of any rookie, and that's to Zion Williamson. He's only trailing. Um, Kobe White, man, 6 for 16 tonight, 4 from 12 from behind the 3-point line. He ended up scoring 18 points. He was a plus 14 in the plus minus, had one assist, two boards, one of them being an offensive board, which was a pretty nice putback. Uh, he's like like he was playing 21 out there, Goose. But uh, he looked good. And the thing that I love the most about Kobe White is that the kid doesn't hesitate to pull the trigger and shoot the ball. I like that. He's confident in his game. And him coming off the bench to start the season off is going to be a – we're going to play a lot faster, I believe, when he is on the court. But I, I'm happy with him kind of having the reins to come off that bench and create and, and do some good things. And that's what he did tonight. And I'm and Even when he was in with the starters, too, because w- it wasn't just all benchmen. He was in with the starters for a bit. Him and Zach and Lowry together were fun to watch, and um, I- I'm all for that. I, I think this kid's going to be good. I know we sound like a broken record when we say that, and I know 6 for 16 isn't the sexiest by any means necessary, but he played effective basketball tonight, and I'm all for that.
1: No, I like the lack of fear. Uh, having confidence is key in improving and getting better as a player. And as somebody who was kind of skeptical about Kobe White going into the draft, but also mentioned on C-Red Fred's podcast that despite my feelings about taking Kobe at seven, as I initially had him projected later in the draft, I was kind of hoping the Bulls could get a late first and steal him back there. He might be the best fit with Zach Levine out of this draft. You have the positional size, you have the off-ball skill and it, it, you can kind of see where it, like, it's coming together already. We're four games into the preseason. He's still a rookie. He's still 19 years old. But you can see where Kobe's speed is <laughs> undeniable. That is going to be dominant in this league. He's probably already a top 10 guard in the league when it comes to speed. So having that transitional pace and having that off-ball ability but also the positional size to hold his own on either guard on the defensive end, like, it's it's really exciting to think about what Kobe and Zach could be for the future of this team, not even just this year. But the future of this team, having Kobe White on a rookie contract for four years and Zach Levine for two seasons past this, I think we're really going to see the emergence of a very exciting starting backcourt duo between the two.
0: Absolutely, and it just makes me feel even better that Lowry Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. are here because I believe that they're the starting front court for a pretty special team. So <laughs> it, it so felt no, good. It, it, the,
1: the, the craziness, think about it. We rebuilt for two years. We got Zach and Lowry in the same deal that kicked off the rebuild. You draft Wendell Carter Jr., and if we hit on Kobe White, like we're kind of starting to feel like we might have. This is going to be a very fun team to watch for the next half decade.
0: I agree with that. I mean, I, I do. and I know that we're, we're, we might get a little bit roasted for this because it's a it's preseason game four. But, God damn it, I'm going to stick by my guns. I'm going to stick to what I believe. I believe that this is going to be a fun team to watch. And I think that fun brand of basketball and that, you know, if Boylan can really implement that, that good defense that he talked to us about when we were at the – at the um, practice, if he can implement that with this young, fast team that loves to get shots up, I think we're going to watch special basketball that turns into playoff appearances, and I'm all for that. I hundred percent. I like what I'm seeing. I think these guys look good. I another thing I love is that they seem to play for each other, you know. And and again, here comes Meatball, Meatball Buzz take, and coming from Meatball boy, Meatball Boylan's mouth, but they play for the name across their chest, right? They play for that city. And I think they're buying into that, and everything I've I've seen I, I've I've enjoyed thus far. Um, I I can't be mad about anything. I I love the draft picks. I love the way I'm watching them play. I love the fact that we got 90 shots up to Toronto's 80 tonight. And I, if you keep playing that brand of basketball, it's going to turn into dubs because it's not it, you know stamina is a hard thing to keep up with. You know what I mean? And I don't know if a lot of teams can pick, you know, the young legs that we have out there, the the volume of shots that are out there, the the way that we're able to get rebounds with two seven footers in the, you know, in the paint trying to crash those boards. I think it's going to be really fun and I'm I'm all for it. And this game just I know it's our first preseason win, but I had to crack a couple beers for it because I was just super excited about it. You know, it just it makes all that feeling of Man, I wonder what they're going to look like when they're rolling on all cylinders. It's going to be that. And obviously competition's going to get a lot more tough when the regular season starts. But I think that this Bulls team is, is going to be up for that challenge.
1: No, I mean, and I, I get taken back a little bit when people come at Boylan for being too much of a meatball. Yeah, he's fucking corny. We get it. He doesn't know how to express himself in a way that's appealing to everybody. But at the end of the day, the only thing that fucking matters is that these players know that he cares and he's there for them and he's going to be there when the shit gets tough. So these corny phrases and play for bulls across your chest, that's that's what you want as a fan. You want the team that you're rooting for to have players that embrace your city and your culture and just, they want to be here for your team. And I think that, is a message that is going to carry this team far as well as the family mentality that they're trying to build. Because I, I genuinely do feel that these guys care about each other and want to see each other successful. And they want to enjoy that success together. And I think that is a great foundation for a young team that's building towards being a contender in the future.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, before we let... Everybody go here. I want to remind everybody to go to OnTapSportsNet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. If you want a cool koozie, some cool shirts, go to the shop at OnTapSportsNet slash shop. You can find the tab on the top of the screen. What else do I got? Follow me on Twitter at BuzzOnTap. Follow my dude Goose at BullScripted. And more importantly, follow this podcast at Bulls on Tap on Twitter. One special announcement i just like to make real quick as well before we hop off the mic tonight is uh, if you guys are listening to this either tonight, which is Sunday night, or tomorrow morning on your way to work, which would be Monday morning, I uh, am fortunate enough and lucky enough I will be on CLTV Sports Feed tomorrow night at 645 to 7 o'clock talking Bulls and White Sox cltv sports feed so be sure to check that out and uh let me know if i suck or not so that's uh that's all i got man you got anything
1: nah man find me at Scripted on twitter uh other than that find me here and on uh the c red fred bullseye podcast every other week or so um now nah, i'm really excited about this season i hope you guys stick with us we're gonna keep bringing you content after every game and i'm I'm just really excited for the season. We got one more preseason game, and then it gets real. Then they all count, and they all hurt, and they all feel great, all in the same way. So I'm I'm just ready for the season to kick
0: off. Oh, one more thing too, you know. So on socks on taps, I know you're a Cubs fan, but on socks on taps, we do a pick to click. So I want to challenge everybody that listens to this to come up with something to the equivalent of of pick to click. And I, I believe they're doing a stick to click over at Hawks on tap for the Blackhawks right now. So on, anybody listening to this, even you, Goose, I'm going to try to brainstorm something, too, that we pick a player, you know, before every game, at the end of every podcast, you know, previewing the next game, we pick a player that we think is going to be the most effective. So I want that to be food for thought for everybody. Come up with a cool name, like a, a pick-to-click or something like that, but make it. let's try to make it basketball-orientated and, and run with that. But that is now all I do have, <laughs> unless you have anything off the top of your head to come up with a cool name for that.
1: I mean, it's probably got to involve Zach Levine somewhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's It's going to be him like nine
1: times out of ten, huh? Levine and scheming? I don't know, man. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Kind of put me on the spot here. Um, That's uh, the best way to do it,
0: man. We don't have any outlines. We don't need that shit. We just come out here, we start talking, and then, you know, the alcohol starts giving me ideas, and I love to spew it off, you know.
1: Well, it's nice when I can indulge in a drink with you because I don't have work the next day, but no, I mean, I mean, flick to click, <laughs> <and subscribe laughs> okay. flick so, the wrist, bucket in the hole, a I do A flick in the wrist. Um, so no, I mean, that's, that's really all I got off the top of your, uh, my head here. If uh, anybody listening has got any better suggestions, make sure you shoot that to Bulls on Tap on Twitter. <laughs> And uh, we'll make sure to give you a shout out in the next show. Fantastic. All
0: right, let's go, Bulls. Chicago, Chicago, my
1: city, my city, Chicago.